Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. All right, let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Just bless His holy name. Father, we thank you. We're so grateful for the opportunity to gather together as one family. We do not take it for granted, Lord. We honor you. We praise you for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's get into the word. Thank you, Lord. We continue with our series on wisdom for living. How many of you have been blessed so far by the series? You've been blessed. You're making some adjustments. You're making some changes. Praise God. This morning, I want to look at something very, very important. And I want you to please make sure that you pay attention to it. I believe that this has the capacity to change your life, to transform your life, and get you on to the next level of your work. We'll look at a very, well, I won't say it's popular, but something that every one of us suffer from at one time or the other. But it also hinders us from getting to the next phase of what God wants to do in our life. And it's called familiarity. Familiarity. The word familiarity, it's from the Latin word familiares. And it means uh, something like a household servant mm, that you can just beckon and call all the time. There's almost no value to the servant. That's the the, the, the root word of that word familiar. I want us to read three passages of the scriptures that would form the background for what we want to talk about this morning. Let's first of all go to Matthew chapter 13 and we'll see the story of Jesus. Like I said, every one of us, including myself that is preaching, we've at one point or the other in our life allowed this to stop us from getting to the next phase of what God wants to do in our life. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 53. Now, this was Jesus, okay? Uh, interesting story. When Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. He came to his hometown and began teaching them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. What other words can we use for the word astonished? What do you think? Surprised. Okay, what other word do you think? Amazed. You guys should be Bible translators. Amazed. In the first service, someone said bamboozled. I said, no, I don't think that will work. It looks like a Greek word, but I don't think it will be fine. Alright, but I'd like to use the word amazed. Okay? They were amazed at his teaching. And said, where did this man get this wisdom? So there was wisdom in the teaching of Jesus. And these miraculous powers. I mean, they looked at Jesus. Jesus was teaching and he said, wow. Where did this man get this wisdom? Where did he get this miraculous power from? Then look at their response. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. You know, Jesus had a brother who was called Judas. And his sisters, are they not all with us? 
So Jesus actually, we talk about the humanity of Jesus. Jesus actually had brothers and sisters. And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Note that. Then number two, in his own household. And look at this. The King James Version says, And he could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Think about that. Here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God made flesh. Works into the synagogue in his hometown. Starts teaching. And people are amazed. They say, wow, what a teacher. Wow, look at power. And then, they get into the familiar zone. They start saying, wait, 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 wait. What are we talking about here? Is this not the carpenter's son? That table in my house. It's his father that made it. <laughs> I know his sister. They leave what Jesus was teaching and start discussing his background. Because they were familiar with him. And you know, they said, wow, is this not the same Jesus when they asked his mother who impregnated her? He said, Holy Spirit. We thought that matter was dealt with. They got so familiar with Jesus, they could not receive from Jesus. They knew how Jesus grew up. Many people who know you growing up would always be familiar with you. You know, people never agree that you have grown up. Yeah. They never agree. If people know you when you were small, they would still see you like that. They would still reach you like that. They would still talk to you like that. And that's how they talk to Jesus. They knew his relations. And I don't want us to look at this and say, wow, you know, that, ah, those people, they didn't really appreciate Jesus. I want us to bring it home. How do, we, how do we approach our service of God today? Is it, not, is it not very common for us to be in church and Jesus is speaking to us through his word? And we are fiddling with our phones, we are busy sending text messages, we are busy distracted, we are busy not focused. We are getting familiar. And what God wants to pass across, God doesn't pass across again to us. We cannot receive from him. Luke chapter 7. Let me tell you another story. We'll read three stories and then we get in here. I'm going to bring this down to every level of our lives. Because what God wants to do in our lives with familiarity, we cannot get into it. And every one of us suffers from this every time. So we have to constantly speak to ourselves not to. Luke chapter 7, another story, verse 44. Remember the woman with the alabaster box? Um, turning toward the woman... He said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with, with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. For the sake, you did not anoint my head with oil. But she anointed my feet with perfume. In those days, the history had it that, you know, people used to, you know, they used to work. Jesus did not have a car. Okay, so Jesus used to work with his 12 disciples. Sometimes he got into donkeys, sometimes he got into boats. So in those days, when someone visited you, their feet were very dusty because of the road. So the first thing you would offer them was water to wash their feet. 
Alright? And then you give, you give them a holy kiss. You embrace them. You know, and kiss them somewhere here. Not like this, like this. Alright? So, uh, that's why Paul puts holy in front of the kiss. So, it's a holy kiss. Alright? And then if you had perfume or oil, you give to them. I think I've taught you here before. Every household uh, um, in, in the days of you know, the Israelites, they normally have oil with them. Because oil for them was very medicinal. Okay, so it was very medicinal. So they used oil a lot. So that's what happened. But you realize that these people got so familiar with Jesus that Jesus came to their house. They didn't even bother to offer him water. It was not like Jesus was knocking. He said, Who is there? Jesus said, Give him chair. Let him sit down. I'll be with him in a minute. They didn't give him water. They didn't even offer him oil. They didn't offer him something. They got so familiar with Jesus that someone in the status of Jesus would visit their house and they would neglect to give him the very basic thing that everybody should give. Do you remember the Last Supper? When Jesus was eating the Last Supper with his disciples, what happened? Uh, And he took a towel and did what? Wash the feet of his disciples. That's what is supposed to be done. You couldn't eat in those days without washing your feet, without, you know, Cleansing yourself that way. And Jesus, when they all sat there, everybody was a big boy. Nobody wanted to do that because the least servant in the house was supposed to do that. Here was Jesus visiting a man. And the man got so familiar with Jesus, he did not even bother to attend to Jesus. That's what familiarity does. Another story. Second Samuel, chapter 6. Let's see, let's see familiarity in different, this is different shades of familiarity. Different versions of familiarity. Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse 20. Alright? Know the story of David. When David returned to bless his household. Here David was so excited. He had, he had danced before the Lord. He had rejoiced before the Lord. He has blessed the children of Israel. So he says, oh let me go home. Let me bless my house. So he came in. Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants, servants' maids, as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. He was talking to her husband. This is the king of Israel. Huh? Look at how you shamelessly uncovered yourself like one of those foolish ones. The man was talking. You know people that say, I like to say my mind. That's why I tell people, when you're getting married, yeah, sometimes, even as singles, we're easily carried away, you know. When person say, oh, I want to come and visit you, so just give me a minute, give me a minute. You go home, do all the makeup. Hmm? Even the guys, when the girl you want to get married is coming, you take the, the boxers you reserve for Christmas. Hmm? Iron it properly, iron singlet, iron handkerchief. In preparation for the great arrival. After you are married, they will not be harassing you to remove boxers. Then you've been using these boxers for two months. He says, leave it. Is it your waist? Familiarity has set in. You, you, you're not properly looking after yourself anymore. And it's just, that's what happens to human beings. Human beings easily get familiar. They lose. You know, what's familiarity? Familiarity is when you begin to, you're so close to someone, you lose that respect. You lose that admiration. Can you point to the husband? And it's the same way. Sometimes some men are like that to their wives. Use words that are demeaning on the woman. 
Because you're familiar. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. It says, <laughs> How the daughter of, how the king of Israel, sorry, distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servant, me, as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord whom you, who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. He says, I will even be more lightly esteemed than this. That means I will even dance more. You know, David was a street guy. He didn't come from palace where they were taught out. The man just told him, he says, it's God that chose me above your father that I was dancing to. And I will still dance more. You know, that thing can be very painful. You tell your husband that the way you were dancing today, you dance more. The man has said, God chose me and to replace your father and I will dance more. I mean, but look at what happened. It says, but with the maids of whom you have spoken with them, I will be distinguished. I will be honored. Those people you think are looking out at me, actually, in their eyes, I will be honored. Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. Look at what familiarity costs. She was barren. The man did not curse her. But she could not receive the blessing that David brought to the household. Some of you, your husbands have enough wisdom that they help others, but they can't help you. You're too close to them. Some of you, your wife have the wisdom to sort you out, but you will not listen. You're too close to the woman. Too familiar to the, to the place where you cannot receive wisdom and blessing that is hidden in that person. We have the danger of treating sacred things with profanity. Treating divine things with casual, apathetic, flippant attitude. We profane holy things by making them common. Ordinary. That's what uh, Esau did to his birthright. He said, what is birthright to me? And sold his birthright for pottage, for beans and plantain. Yeah. And the scripture says what? He sought it with tears. He sought it with tears. Sometimes we take spiritual things and we treat them casual. Take our worship of God, treat it casual. When we go and sit before governors, we pay attention. We are at our workplace, our supervisors are take, talking, we pay attention. We come to church, we can move about, we can sleep. Treat sacred things with profanity. That's what familiarity does. Church is just common. You know, sometimes even in the order of our things, we can go everywhere. Church own can be last. Hmm? Spiritual things can be last. You can put everything else there. And that comes last. That's familiarity. Familiarity is not just about being familiar. Familiarity is knowing someone so well that you lose your admiration and respect for them. You, you've known them so much. You lose your admiration. You lose your respect for them. You know, every time in this country, we hear of Nigerians doing so mighty things out of the country. But what happened? They are one of us. We're so familiar with them. They're not useful to us here. You become presumptions around them. You stop respecting them. It is a state or condition of knowing a person so well that you lose your admiration. The danger of familiarity is in knowing and taking for granted what can be of a great blessing to you. You don't even have to be rude to be familiar, actually. 
It's just more of losing that sense of awe and respect. Familiarity is what makes the exceptional become ordinary. The anointed become a routine. That's why many people do not benefit from their mentors after some period. The first time you get your mentor, oh, his advice is profound. Hmm? There are people like that who probably years before walks into my office. I give them advice. They're writing down. They're taking notes. Oh, they're listening. They're practicing. Years after you give those same people advice, they'll disdain it. Why? They've become familiar. There are people who would struggle to get access to your presence. Ah, oh, just ah, it's a privilege, sir. Ah, it's a privilege, sir. Later, it's no longer a privilege. Every human being suffers from this. You have to consciously, consciously do it. Sometimes, even in our marriages, the woman that you were running everywhere for, they will say, "Come back home." You say, "Oh no, yeah, okay." Even you are hungry, you say, "No, you will still go." Last transport, you will transport to her school, cross your cross from one end of the country to another end of the country, pursue, write poems, to this one, send gifts, send everything. Married now, anniversary, you have forgotten. Birthday, you have forgotten. Sometimes you, you haven't forgotten that there's somebody in the house with you. Yeah, it's familiarity. That is why you realize that. Let me tell you something. Eh? <laughs> well, let's not go that way. But you realize that every woman that you think is ugly and then, oh, this woman is not good. For instance, you shouldn't do that. God is against that. I don't endorse that. You know, you throw the woman out. You are not getting married again. Just give her a few. You will see somebody else. And what now happens actually is that that person too is not yet familiar. So say, ah, your husband, you are, you are gold. Your husband does not know gold. I know gold. Oh, it's gold in service today. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it starts. Then that person gets familiar. See, that is why your husband is a wise man. <laughs> your former husband now is a wise man. That's why he threw you away. You know, it's the same thing. Because it's just that as human beings, we easily get familiar. So what, use, what we used to respect, what we used to admire, we lose respect for it. But if you want to be successful in life, you must maintain your respect. I'm not just preaching, I'm going to tell you in several areas of your life, including your job. That's why some of us are sacked from our jobs. We get so familiar, we don't take our job seriously anymore. We'll get there. People ch- saw Jesus as a savior. Judas got so familiar with Jesus, he saw him as a commercial product. And Judas actually sold Jesus. I mean, imagine Judas meeting you. Say, I have Jesus to sell. Say, I, I know you people want to crucify him. Say, this is the real one. This is not Abamid. This one has the blood of God. <laughs> say, how much? Say, it's 50. I say, no, you can't buy Jesus for 50. Let's do 65. I mean, this was a disciple of Jesus. And let me tell you something. If a, if a man trust you with his money, the man really trusts you. You know there are homes where the husband and the wife, they don't trust each other with money. Oh, you don't know? Oh, you know. I know you know. You don't want to agree. Yeah. They trust their accountant. They will even want their accountant. If my wife hears anything about this account, I will take my money from your bank. So they bring the one they want the woman to know. And the woman too brings the one they, you know, people have those I mean, ah, human beings are deep. 
Just how much do you have? Ah, it's just this one. No, not you know, not you know. Then you just hear that. Ah, they have one rapper they are buying. How did you pay for his God? <laughs> the way God is working after pastor's message, I don't. God is just doing miracles. Better trace the source of those miracles. The same thing for husbands. Oh, they don't have money. They don't have money. But something gets wrong with the car. Fix it. Where did the money come from? God is just doing mighty things in this room. We can't explain everything. But the reason I said that is this. Jesus trusted Judas with the ministry finances. That means... Judas was not the bad person in quote that we see. Do you get my point? When we just read about Judas. There were many positions in Jesus' ministry. There were not many positions in Jesus' ministry. There was no secretary. There was no vice president. There was only one official position. What was that? The treasurer. Who was that? Judas. But he got so familiar with Jesus. Instead of seeing a savior, he saw what? Commercial. Familiarity. Let's start with this. How do you get familiar with your pastor and your local church? The Bible says we should honor them. We should hold them in high esteem. For what? For their work's sake. He said, know those who labor among you. And honor them for their work's sake. You know, many years ago, I went to preach at a campus fellowship in a polytechnic. So, when I went there, the campus fellowship put me in one room like that. You know, maybe one of the student room. The phone was very tiny, you know, uh, gave me some kind of funny food to eat, which I ate, you know. And even when I finished preaching, uh, of course, I, I don't preach for money, and I don't ask people for money when I go preach, but when I finish preaching, you know how when you finish all those preaching, they'll say, let's stretch our hands to the man of God, where that virtue came from, God should replace it, yeah, I know where, yeah. and then you blessed us, thank you, sir, you, uh, God will bless you, and then they do all those prayers, you know. When prayers are getting very long that way, you just know that uh, that is all. <laughs> what they just say, stretch your hands. You let God refill the virtue. Once all those things start, you just know that, yeah. <laughs> if you were planning to buy bread on your way home, you have to fall back to plan B. So while the man was seeing me off, he was saying, ah, you are a very humble man of God. So I said, oh, okay. So I said, praise God. That's my usual response. He said, ah, the pastor who came to preach, the prophet who came to preach before me, that that man showed them. I said, ah, what happened? He said, the man told them the kind of hotel they would put him. I said, wow. And you guys got him? He said, yes, yeah, so we had to look for the money and put him in the hotel. I said, okay. <laughs> he was telling me. <laughs> After you've put me in one, one room that I slept on the bed and my back was touching the floor, you're not telling me somebody insisted and you paid the hotel. And he said, even that man was telling them the part of meat that he wants for the soup. And I said, you bought it? He said, they had to buy it. If not, you would not come. And he told them how much you would take. And I said, ah. And you, he said, we have to task ourselves to do it. And I'll tell you this, right? Sometimes, that's what makes certain ministers act the way they act. It's not because sometimes they want to act that way. But human beings sometimes, uh, they have that sense of awe and respect. You know, when you don't make yourself come on. You know, the service is going on. You don't see your pastor, you know. And then just a few minutes before he's to preach, two guys with dark glasses just shows up. First of all, carry his Bible to the pulpit, put, put his handkerchief. And then the pastors come very gently, you know. And while he's preaching, one person is here, one is here, just looking around. Oh, man, our man of God, man is anointed to the teeth. 
I wonder how you measure it. <laughs> but then, when you have the one you can access, then what happens? Familiarity sets in. And you hold that one that is inaccessible in high esteem. That was the problem people had with Jesus. And it's the same problem we have today. How do you get so familiar with your pastor you don't get blessed from them? Number one, if you're familiar with your pastor, the preaching will set you on fire anymore. It's just like, oh, it's pastor, it's pastor Max. You preach another sermon. He's okay. This one today did not just sit with me. Yeah. You can now become selective. Sermons don't bless you anymore. Number two, you don't get a hold of the materials or you don't buy their books. Okay? Written several books that could help you. I mean, we've got books. Our books are used to train churches all over. The churches in Ghana are using our Wisdom for Church Workers book to train their churches, pastors, buy the books and materials, prosperity and increase. People run it through their school as Sunday classes, use it to teach. But some of you don't have those books. Even though you're church workers, even when you buy it, you don't have time to read it. It's familiarity. Number three, every man of God is a man. That, need, that needs to be said, okay? He doesn't have a perfect life. His family might not be perfect. He might, his marriage might even not be perfect. His children might be imperfect. And he has challenges. But you must learn to see beyond that. Because that man that you're admiring from afar, you're also not close to him. And we always, we always have that danger as, as, pastors, as people in a local church. Because you see your pastor every day, you, you know, you can relate to your pastor, you can see probably the mistakes and all that. You feel, oh, the man dead, the one you don't see, the one you're streaming, is more anointed. And yet, <laughs> life is very funny, and yet there are people who will take a hold of the messages that are preached in church and get their life straightened out. I think I read a testimony to you here uh, last two months. Someone sent a testimony that God had wisdom for living series. Their marriage has been in tatters for six years. The whole marriage got back restored. They're living now. I mean, and probably there are people who will sit through that whole series. And they'll still go for marriage counseling and therapy. The same word. Okay? Number four, fault finding and magnifying faults. Once you get into that familiar zone, it's all about fault. You listen to the message with criticism. Listen to the message and be checking for English pronunciation. Yeah. Hmm? Looking at time. Yeah, so we should close now. We need to respect time. <laughs> but when you remember the first time you heard me teach, the longing to hear the word, the desire to hear the word, right? The respect and the admiration for the work and for the office. Five, it's very easy to take your pastor for granted. We neglect those we're, fami- uh, we neglect those we're familiar with. All right? Sometimes we honor guest speakers more than our local church pastors. And every time I go to local church to teach, I try to create that balance. Your guest speaker comes in here, teach for like two days, say, man, that guy has revelation. Woo! Jesus, look at teaching. It's not the one our pastor is doing. <laughs> but you know the work of a local pastor just goes beyond impressing you with teaching when your children are sick we're there for you when things go wrong we're there for you some of you go to the police station stand Chelsea for you do this one for you do this. those guest speakers don't do that those pastors you hold in high esteem don't do that but the, the tendency is that when you see people every day you're trying to get familiar with them and listen you cannot 
you cannot uh, and it happens all the time you can ask any minister I will, I will, I will, I will say two things number one ministers see more miracles outside of their local churches than they see in their local churches that's, that's basic the churches where they experience miracles as much as the pastor will see outside are churches that the pastor have been very deliberate to create a culture of honor for himself He's very intentional about that. And when you walk into those churches, you know that this church, they don't play with their pastor. Now, they are very intentional about that. They, are, they teach it. They, they, I mean, they put it in you. They in, and, you know, because the anointing evidently responds to honor. The anointing responds to honor. The pastor can't control that. You make that decision. Like I told them in the first service, when the Lord began to teach me this truth, on my phone, my dad is saved as a possum. I mean, my dad is my biological father. I, I, I rarely call him dad. When the Lord asks me to submit to him spiritually and to walk with him, I call him apostle. That's, I mean, he's the apostle over my life. He's the pastor over my life. I call him my pastor. He's my biological father. But I needed to create that so that the grace on his life can flow on me. You can be the biological son of an anointed man and don't partake of the anointing. Out of familiarity. So, that's that for pastors. I don't want to drive that too, too long. So, because that's just part of the message. It's not all of the message. Then maybe the last one there is no longer taking notes while teaching is going on. You're just familiar, you know. <laughs> You're no longer interested. Messages will be sent to you. You don't even have time to listen to them over and over again. You don't have time to be fed. And people will take those same messages and get their lives on. People will take those same messages and, and push on and move with it. So, then the second one, pastors also don't have to get too familiar with their members. Now, I please, please, I hope you understand the context I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you creating a barrier between you and people. No, I'm just talking about getting to that point where you lose your sense of admiration. The church is a family. People should be connected. How can pastors get so familiar with their members? First Samuel 22 verse 2. The people that came to meet David were worthless men. They were debted. You know what? David spent time teaching them and pouring into them. And they later became the mighty men of, of David. A pastor should not get so familiar with people that when they are even going through challenges, you just feel nothing good can come out of this person. And you just chase after the rich. You chase after the wealthy. And leave those in debt. No. Every single soul that God, bring, that God brings to you is valuable to God. And the pastor also should not get so familiar with their members that they despise their members. They talk down on their members. Oh, feel like, without you, I can't, I, I can't do what I want to do. No. That's not how the scripture teaches us. Second Samuel chapter 15 verse 31. I particularly like this story. Second Samuel 15 31. You know, uh, Ahithophel was a counselor to David. Then things turned and Ahithophel began to counsel someone else. You know what David did? David prayed. He said, oh God, turn the counsel of Ahithophel to what? To foolishness. He did not say, forget Ahithophel. What will I, Ahithophel that used to work for me. No, David didn't do that. David did not do that. He didn't get so familiar with Ahithophel that when Ahithophel started counseling an enemy, he just said, forget it. You know, most, of, most people think, right, that if you hate someone, God automatically hates them. You know, 
people will just think, yeah, if I don't like this person, then God doesn't like this person. Or if this person is not with me anymore, they can't achieve anything. It's a lie. Nobody has a monopoly to the grace of God. Nobody has a monopoly to the favor of God. And David said, no, that guy, Ahithophel, his counsel is like the counsel of the gods. He did not get too familiar with Ahithophel that he despised Ahithophel's counsel even to an enemy. He said, oh God, turn the counsel of Ahithophel to foolishness. He, he valued, even though Ahithophel was working for the enemy, what happened? David valued the wisdom that Ahithophel carried. So we've talked about that. Honor. You must be deliberate about that. Especially within the local church. Don't get too familiar with the church. Don't, don't get too familiar with our time of worship, our time of prayers, our time of the word. Don't get too familiar with the messages that are coming. It stops you from getting to the next phase of the blessing of God. Because honor brings the blessing. Number, two, number three now. Your Bible, your prayer life. We just want to look at signs of familiarity. Hmm? We no longer take reading of the word seriously. Neither our prayer life. We don't take reading of the word seriously anymore. Just read the Bible casually. Hmm? When you're reading the Bible in those days, you, you hold the Bible in esteem. You, 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 you look into the word of God. You take confession seriously. Those things, you don't take them seriously anymore. Number two, it's not a priority. We do it when we are free and when we feel like. Read the Bible when you're free and when you feel like. Some of us don't even know where our Bible are until Sunday morning. Hmm? And that's what makes us late. That said, the whole house to go on a search party looking for the Bible. So where was the last time you saw it? Say, we were using it to, to hold the TV on Tuesday. <laughs> Check your TV. Back of your TV, your Bible is there. Familiarity. You wouldn't treat your wristwatch like that. Hmm? You wouldn't treat your clothes like that. Some of you know where, as we're preaching, if I say, where is your bead? You will not ask which of them. Because in your mind, they are already categorized. And if we tell you the most expensive one, you say, you just tell us that, no, you, that, you, that they cannot see it. You, you, and that means, there's no how you get the description to anybody that they will find it. You are the one that knows, you are the way maker. Yeah, that's value. Do you hold the word of God precious? Number three, you don't, need, you don't jot down anymore. You don't take notes of what God is speaking to you. When you read your Bible, you don't write the things God is talking to you anymore. It's no longer important. You do your morning devotions, there is no lesson you're writing. Just read the Bible. Hey, 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 pray your Father, thank you as we go out today. Bless you, bless everybody. Just pray. Amen. God will not allow to suffer shame in this life. And you just go about. That's all your... That's just familiar with God. Just familiar. There's no sense of, oh, that this is the word of God. This is the Bible. That's why I still, well, I might be a bit, this might just be my personal, but I still love to hold the printed pages. I just still love the printed pages. Technology is fine and everything, but I just like these printed pages. I think there's something that still does to me in holding the word in highest esteem. I don't, you know, pastors can get so familiar with the word and they are just, you know, copying messages, ranting messages, and it's not touching them. It's not flowing from the core of their heart. The same thing. Number four, the Bible is no longer held in high esteem. We debate the opinions of God's word. We become selective hearers of the word. The one that affects us 
we explain it away. I see all kinds of teachings going on now, and I'm, I'm shocked. And, you know, let me tell you something, right? Let me explain something to you. Uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, next month we're going to do some real theology work. Uh, and one of the questions I want to answer next month is uh, uh, Do Muslims and, 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 and Christians serve the same God? Because we, we are coming to this place of tolerance where people say, yeah, it's all the same God. It's just different way to approach God. I can serve God in my house. I, I mean, we, we're just rewriting everything. We love all men, but Jesus is the only way to God. And some Christians don't even... And we have this judge not thing being thrown out there that people don't even know the foundations of the Christian faith. And I'll show you from the book of Acts, when these guys were betting Christianity, the word that was used was that they persuaded, they reasoned, they debated. Christianity was not just betted in the miraculous. It was betted in logical thinking and persuasion and conviction. Are you following what I'm saying? Because you see, everything we call miracle today, let me explain something to you. Everything that you're calling a miracle, there are people in this life that don't need it. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's say, for instance, you're not physically impaired. You, you don't have any physical challenge. You're okay with your health, right? And you have money. You are married. You have a good family. Let me, let me now ask you, what miracle do you need from God? No, let's be honest. I mean, don't say, I will now say something. God will now write it down against me. Just your health is okay. You, I mean, you're okay. You've got children, your family. What when they come and say, "Let everybody believe God for one thing." What will you believe God for? A long life. <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm trying to say. So you would ask yourself, how how do we take the gospel to those who have the very things we pray about every day? It'll take something of their mind to accept Christ. Let's not get too familiar with the word. Let's not get too familiar with our Bibles. Praise God. Let's not get too familiar with the word of God. Let's not get too familiar with fellowship. Say, Let's gather together with the brethren and say, No, I can't serve God. I posted something and someone replied. Stop deceiving people about church. My business is my church. Anywhere I am is my church. And people just throw theology all over the place. And somehow we buy into that. Scripture says, forsake not the gathering of ourselves together. But that's the very thing we do. We're not deliberate about gathering. We're not intentional about gathering. Let's go to our jobs. Let's go to our jobs. How do people get familiar with their job? You start going late constantly. Start going late. Hmm? You dress shabbily. Your dress sense is no longer important to you. Just be casual to your job. You no longer, you know, the job is, is complaint every time. It's complain about your job. The first time you got that job, you held that job in sense of, oh, admiration. Oh, Father, thank you. I'm finally, I have a job. You go on time. You get the job done. But you are not familiar. Number four, you feel you cannot be dropped. You feel you cannot be sacked anymore. You just walk any way you like. And I want those in the first service. And I want you again. 
Hmm? Surely some of us that have um, contracts, we came in with kind of jobs and everything. You shouldn't now follow indigents to walk the way they are working. They will drop you and retain them. You came from outside. You were employed here. You now made friends of an indigent. I'm not saying all indigents are lazy. I'm just putting things in perspective. Hmm? You know if they drop them, they just carry palm fraud, carry one red cloth, go and lock one gate and block everything. They say, what do you people want? Say, put two of us by. Oh, yeah, yeah, you people should come. Open this gate. Let's walk. You, if you carry palm fraud, they will beat you. So when you are walking, you look at your surname and look at their surname and you will know that on this ground, let me face my job. Palm fraud would help you. Protest would... Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, you, have to, you have to speak wisdom to yourself. Go for lunch break. One hour before lunch break, you are out. One hour after lunch break, that's when you're coming. Meanwhile, when you got the job at first, they say, go for lunch break. They say, ah, what are you doing lunch break for? No, there's work to be done. Now you are so familiar. All kinds of excuses. And let me tell you, if a good boss wants to sack you, they will not let you know. If anybody lets you know they want to sack you, yeah, the person is up. But if a good, and I'll show you from scriptures. If a good boss wants to sack you, they will, sometimes they will send you on training. And while you are at that training, they will now send you a letter. Dear sir. So on your way back, you know that you are not coming back to the company's premises. How do you treat your job? I want you to work so well at your job that people would ask you, what church do you go to? Folk, you know, I don't know how people get a job and they treat it sharp. I don't know why they do that. And I've always told people, when they call, hey, they're supposed to be paying us one million, and they're paying us a hundred thousand. I don't understand. Hey, stop working now. Since you don't understand, you stop until you get understanding. You see, let me tell you something. Complaining about things never makes you productive. You will be hurting yourself every Monday. You will go up weary, tired, stressed out. That job, value it. Thank God for it. Approach it with a sense of a man serving God. Do you realize that the children of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They were slaves. They were slaves. And they walked. <laughs> that job that you're complaining about there are many people that's why you see that nowadays it's not even easy to, to it's easy to drop people because as they are dropping you there's somebody coming in who wants to take something lower and get your space and be grateful I'm not saying you should slave away or not take what's your rights that's not my business you can go and ask your your lawyers about that. I'm teaching you God's word. God's word says anywhere you're walking, you walk as unto the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you want to go and look for rights, go to the lawyer's office. Here is church. We teach you how to serve God here. And in serving God, we take our jobs, what? Seriously. You know what was said about Daniel? They said no fault was found concerning his job. Do you know that guy was a slave? He was a slave in a foreign land. He could have been going to work and say, you know what, if not for capturing that they capture me, do you think I'll be here? Do you know who my father is in Jerusalem? Go and ask them. I'm Daniel. Do you know who Daniel is? <laughs> Even Joseph in prison. 
Do you think Joseph had the kind of attitude we have towards our job? He wasn't familiar with the job. He took his job seriously until he got into prison and they handed over everything to him. You know, sometimes we just come and teach people that's the favor of God. It is the favor of God that comes on diligence. It's not the favor of God that comes on what? Laziness or familiarity. Do you know what it would take for a prisoner to hand over other prisoners to you? And you know what? He was going about asking people, why are you sad? And interpreting dream because he was not sad. If there was anybody who had a reason to be sad in the Bible, it was Joseph. Because from the one thing when he got into prison, everything has been against him. Family, Potiphar's wife, everything has been against him. But see the attitude. Hmm? Your respect and admiration for the job drops. Complaints kick off. Let's go to the next place you can be familiar. We're looking at several areas. So you pick the one that concerns you. Family. Family. Husband, wife, brothers, children. (laughs) Yeah. Your children can get so familiar with you, they don't listen to you anymore. Yeah. And you need to watch that. Because everything is not dialogue. Sometimes you have to go with discipline. Because your children can get so familiar with you. Your advice is helping other people. You can't help your own child. You know, my son is grown now. <laughs> he did something one day, so I called him. And I told him, I said, you know, eh, that's why in this house, I don't have explanation to give to anybody. If you try this thing again, I will break your leg. And he knew I meant it. I will break it. So, don't, uh, don't, your, your height has, does, I, I, is not, is not, is not doing anything here. And he knows. Oh, because the Bible says there is foolishness bound in the child of heart, but the rod of correction will drive it out. That rod, I have it. Uh, no, not, I mean, not in my house. <laughs> and when I'm flogging him, I know some of you don't believe in flogging. That's why I'm not your child. It's clear. I tell him, go get my belt. I'm flogging you 15. This is why I'm flogging you. I'm flogging you 6 on your right, 7 on your left. I'm I'm the, house, I'm the house owner. So I'm only permitted to take one step. I can't be chasing you around the house that I'm paying rent for. So I don't, I don't pursue anybody. You will go, you will bring the cane. I will flog you. When you start moving back, I take my one step. And you know the laws. I'm not permitted to take two steps. So you will come. Then I'll bring my step back and then we'll continue. It's clear. There are no... Uh, I'll not be running after you. People will not think I'm mad. For what? I pursue you that will happen. It's not, it's not possible. Instructions are not repeated. I don't have... Sit down. Why? I don't owe you an explanation. You sit down. You don't feel like sitting down. I didn't say feel like sitting down. I said sit down. Your feeling was not factored in that instruction. And it's the truth. Because there are people like that I will speak to outside and they will respond immediately because they trust me, because they value me, because they see me as their leader. And I used to tell this all the time. I said, train your children that one instruction from you is responded to quickly. Because sometimes, in times of life and death, you might not have time to give all the explanation. 
your child wants to cross the road. You say, don't cross. He said, why did you say I should not cross? Why did you say, boy? <laughs> don't cross. You stay first. I mean, all this trying to explain. I don't know where we got all these explanations, explanations, so that they will understand and get your heart and get... Okay, they've got to your heart now. See where we are? You have children that won't listen to us. You were not raised that way. If you were raised that way, you probably would not be where you are. Are you following what I'm saying? You might have a different approach. This is, this is my, my approach. <laughs> Familiarity, in, you know, Jesus said it, that a prophet has no honor but in his own household. That is a serious matter. Well, let's look at household familiarity. You know, we've talked about household enemies a long time. Let's look at this. In John chapter 7, verse 1 to 5, the brothers of Jesus said, Go to Jerusalem. Go and perform miracles in Jerusalem. You can just put up verse 5 there. You know what the scripture says? It says his brothers did not believe in him. His brothers did not believe in him. Jesus' brothers did not believe in him. John chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. For even his brothers were not believing in him. They didn't believe in him. If you read these miracles, you are saying you perform miracles, you perform. People that perform miracles, they do it in Jerusalem. Go there. You can't be performing miracles in the backyard and say you perform miracles. And Jesus didn't even answer them. That's this what this is what is responsible for sometimes you would have a wise son in a family and you have foolish brothers. The the eldest may be very wise, or the youngest might be very wise, the rest will just be running running on on, on, on a foolish track. Some of us are like that too. We have wise brothers, but we are on this side of the track or we won't listen to them. All we want from them is their money. This accounts for sometimes why even sometimes you see some pastor's children behave contrary to what their father is teaching because ultimately at the end of the day, everybody has to take responsibility if they are going to apply the message. If your own children refuse to apply the message, they will turn out wrongly. It, this thing is not... You see, this thing can be precise. You can know where everybody will end up by their actions. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you hearing what I'm, what I'm saying? Before your child leaves the house, you would already know how that child will end up. If it's somebody who listens to instructions, if it's somebody who takes corrections, there are, there are signs. And that's your role, that's your responsibility. But your children can not listen to you because they are just familiar with you. They see you every day. Meanwhile, other people's children look up to you as their mentor. Have you had that experience? Yeah. Other people's children look up to you. Ah, oh, that's my mentor. Oh, if my... all the advice you give out, they take it and apply it. Their life is becoming better. You would have your own child. You will see that morning, afternoon, evening. You're talking. You're talking. What's happening? Familiarity. Of course, you understand, I'm not saying don't be close to your children. I'm just telling you why certain things happen. When they get family, but if your child still holds you in that esteem, say, this is my father, this is my mother, and their words are important. What, what did, what did um, David's parents tell you? Pay attention to the words of your father. Pay attention to the words of your mother. If every child would listen to the instructions of the book of Proverbs and listen to their parents, of course, parents who've, who've got wisdom, What's going to happen? Their life will turn out right. Praise God. Let's look at this. Numbers chapter 12. We're looking at family. Numbers chapter 12. 
Looking at familiarity. Hmm? Then Miriam and Aaron, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman, the Ethiopian woman, the black woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. So they spoke against Moses. You know, Aaron was Moses' elders, and then also Miriam. Miriam also carried Moses. This was the man God had called to lead over three million people, a prophet of God. Their problem was that he married a black woman. You see, that's what familiarity does. Familiarity will take non-essentials and make it an issue. Look at what happened. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken to us as well? You think he's the only prophet? Yeah, every time, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. You think he's by dividing Red Sea? (laughs) The Lord also speaks to us. The Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and to Miriam, You three, come out of the tent of the meeting. So the three of them came out. You know, I told you that when a man wants to sack you, he will not tell you. So he called Miriam and Aaron. He said, Come, come, I want to have a meeting with you. In their mind, they were saying, God just called us. You know, is this empty waiting? This is just a confirmation that we hear from God. He has called us for a meeting. <laughs> they didn't know what God was up to. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the doorway of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. When they both came forward, he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak mouth to mouth, even openly and not in dark things. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The Lord had to say, you are not afraid. He didn't say, why were you not afraid to speak against your brother Moses? He said, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? He's a prophet who, has behold, be, who beholds my form. Have familiarity got in there? Hmm? God will say someone is a man of God. He's my servant. He's my pastor. I've called him and anointed him. You will sit in your house. I say, we, we, we know pastors where we see them. I see they gave you the register. To check. That's how you see that sometimes you can have a pastor from a family and the family members don't even respect him. I say, they will say, he's a, they will say he's a pastor. Which pastor? I was feeling physics here all the time. Feeling physics here all the time. I love familiarity does. <laughs> okay. What happened? So the anger of the Lord burned against them, and he departed. But when the cloud had withdrawn from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous as white as snow. As Aaron turned toward Miriam, behold, she was leprous. Then Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord. See, conversation has changed. I beg you, do not account this sin to us, in which we have acted foolishly and in which we have sinned. Familiarity is acting foolishly. To get familiar with your job is to act foolishly. To get familiar with your spouse is to act foolishly. Some of you are married to wise women that if you would allow them help you with your finances, you would be far better, but you would never listen to that woman. You rather listen to other people. You know, some of you even listen to people who don't even know anything. But they just put titles in front of their name. Investment specialist, a capitalist, advisor, coach, PPA, CBD, DII. You don't know the meaning of anything there. 
Say WhatsApp investment class, 75,000. Premium class, 100,000. You go and pay. Meanwhile, a God-giving, prudent wife lies with you every day. Every day. There's no DPI in front of her name. There's no PPI. But all the little money you give to her has done more work than all the seminars you're attending. Some of you have wise husbands. You won't listen. Familiarity. Who has God blessed you with that is close to you, that you are familiar with, you cannot pay attention to? Hmm? Some are your blood brothers. Your spouse. Some of you um, kids, you are in this service. Your fathers are wise men who have done so much with their life, with the little they have. Why don't you listen to them? Why don't you listen to them? Hmm? Look at this. This explains why you can have a wise man in the house and he has foolish brothers and sisters. The one doing well would counsel others to do well, but his brothers never take his advice. You can be held in high esteem outside and be despised among your family. Your manager will seek your counsel. The, the people you work with at work will seek your counsel. You will come home and speak to your spouse. They'll despise it. Just despise it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are many times Sister Mary's counsel have saved me from doing some, some maybe foolish things. Ten times anything's happened, you're angry, you wanna I say, Oh no, no, don't call now, it's okay. Maybe okay, don't worry. And then, then later you realize listening to that advice has helped you. Some of you, God will not have to come in the form of a fairy furnace. You know, sometimes even in this local church, I look at young people. We say, Oh, come for counseling. Tuesdays were available to pour wisdom to your life. They will not listen to wisdom. Then when they have made mistakes, they will not say, oh, Pastor, we're planning to surprise you. Did I, have I ever stood here and said, surprise me with your life? Have I ever stood here and said, I want all of you to surprise me? Don't surprise me. Because most times, those surprised that you are not seeking right counsel, at the end, we end up bailing you out. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't get too familiar that you don't listen to counsel anymore. That you don't value counsel. That you don't honor the pastor that God has placed over you. Look at this. May the only benefit your family member get from you, may it not only be money, may it also be your wisdom. Like I tell many people, what changed your life? Many of them will say, Oh, when I accepted Jesus. And I said, how many times have you consciously tried to pass that message to your brothers and your sisters? Why don't you do that? If it really changed your life, that should be your priority, that it should get this thing that changed your life. The next thing we want to look at is places. We can get familiar with places. John chapter, chapter 1 verse 45. Remember what Jesus said. He says, a prophet is not without honor except where? In his hometown. Is a place. And what? Among what? His household. You can get so familiar with a place that you are not blessed there. In John 1 46, Nathaniel said, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Some people are like that. You are in Boni here. Huh? The Lord has put you here. You are in Port You are in Lagos. You are in Abuja. 
all you say about the land, can any good thing come out from here? Ah, what is there in Boni? What is there? It's familiarity. Someone will come from outside and see the land and see opportunities and make meaning out of it. It's the same thing with Nigeria. People look around, oh, Nigeria, stupid country, and run out. And meanwhile, there are people here. And I've told you many times, I say jokingly, but I've told you many times, if it's to be sending pictures of snow back, there are many uh, camera shops right now where they can do very good Photoshop work. Take any picture, go and meet them, tell them that if you wear your cardigan and put snow behind you and stretch your hand and print it, if that is what, what your issue is. Because some of, some of us just feel like, you know, immediately you just leave this country. As you land at the airport, they'll just call you and come. There is a job there. That's what some of us think. At around 2 a.m. yesterday, I was preparing, studying for this message. And I came across a story. True story. Happened in South Africa. I think it happened, they, they just released it maybe two, three days ago. BBC Africa. This young man was working in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bar or something. And he had a good job. At least pretty good job. He could take care of himself. And his friend says, oh, they want to go to Oman for something. It's a true story. And uh, he joined his friends, went to Oman. Hmm? And... <laughs> Uh, got into second, second, second degree slavery. Got there, they gave him one tattered room. He was eating only some slices of bread once a day. Was busy washing plates in a hotel at the back. And he said he had to do that for like 12, 13 months to pay off. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Thank God, he was able to sneak out a few pictures and, you know, they worked on his rescue and then he gave his story. I went to preach in Liberia some years ago. And I was at the cafe then. The uh, internet was not so much. I was at the cafe trying to send a mail back. And I met a guy. He was Nigerian. And he said, oh, from the way you talk, you're Nigerian. I said, yes. He told me his story. He's been stranded in Liberia for three years. I'm like, why don't you go back home? He said, I can't go back home. It's three years. I've, I mean, I can't go back empty. Because some of you just feel there is nothing here. There is nothing. There is nothing. That there is nothing is familiarity. Praise the name of the Lord. It's like saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? When you are familiar with places, we assume that nothing good will ever come out of those places. We never seek to be creative. We are always seeking to live for greener pastures. We are blinded to obvious opportunities that abound. If we don't value a place, if we get familiar with a place, the opportunities that abound there, we, we don't. Hmm? It's good to, to live abroad if you have the opportunity, you have the means, you have the education stuff. But saints, is not as easy as it seems. That little money you have, you want to go and use to buy form and do this and do this. Use it to start something and live well. Yeah. Before you go and start, you know, now send $100 back home, you will harass everybody. But I send money, I send money, I send money. <laughs> You know, some people just like trouble with their life. Yeah, I had a young man like that. True story. I mean, when I used to travel to South Africa, I used to spend the time in his house. He said, ah, I should help him. He needs to get to South Africa. Hey, this one, that one. He had a car. It was in Lagos, a small apartment. But he used to go drop me off at the airport and everything. He sold the car. Bought a one-way ticket. Went to South Africa. The last time I spoke to him, stories upon stories upon stories upon stories upon stories. What was wrong with where he was? Familiarity. Every town you are trying to run away from, people are trying to come in. Have you been outside 
and you tell people about Bonnie and they are like, oh my God. You know, people, people just think like, as we cross that jetty, they will just say, ah, here's one bag. Hey, here's your bag. I mean, that, sometimes you have to explain to people, it's not what you think. You say, I know, but I want to come. <laughs> it's, it's, you, the same way you are feeling, that's how those people there. They are telling you, stay here. I say, no. And I jump beside the plane and full Instagram. Off. I will be back. And then after all the savings you carried here, there is finished. Now call you, your line is not going. <laughs> if, we va- if, we, if we get familiar with the places God has called us, we might end up poor and struggling in the midst of abundance. You know what I'm trying to teach you in this message? Check the areas where familiarity has grown in and deal with them. You would see that increase will begin to come in your life. How do we overcome familiarity? Four ways. Number one, be intentional about honor. Never lose honor in your heart and in your action. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Honor your pastor. Be intentional about it. Honor God's word. When you're reading God's word, put things off. Spend time. Honor the word. Reverence the word. Honor the presence of God. Honor your spouse. Honor your mentors. Honor your pastors. Honor your boss at work. Don't lose it. Honor your supervisor. Don't say, I know more than him. But you are not the supervisor. Honor. Number two, always be grateful to God for opportunities, people, and places that God has given to you. As a pastor, I can despise this church. right? And I tell people all the time, I mean, I travel to preach all the time, but I mean, I love my church. I absolutely love my church. And I tell people, listen, it doesn't matter. Let me explain something to you. It doesn't matter if I go to somewhere to preach, right? Even if they give me two million naira, Let's say they give me two million or they give me ten million, right? They might probably not give me that again for a long time. Do you, do you understand me? What do you think, in court keeps me alive before I can go and preach to a place where they'll give me ten million? It's the one one thousand and the five five hundred and the two two hundred and the ten ten thousand. Do you understand that? It would be it would be foolish of me to despise what God has given to me that I'm searching for somewhere outside. And a lot of pastors make that mistake. Always looking at the next church, the next big church, the next big church. Focus on those who God has given to you. In ministry, it is faithfulness to your assignment that God blesses. It's the same thing with the assignment given to you. Be grateful to God. Number three, appreciate all the things that you currently take for granted. What are the things you take for granted? Appreciate them. You know, sometimes you don't take your health, you take your health for granted until you are sick, right? Uh, Have you ever had to, have you ever played maybe football or you did some sports and you sprained your ankle? How many of you have ever had that experience, right? You now begin to value walking. Where are you doing like this? <laughs> you know, I say, ah, if this leg, if this leg, you know, because when you just can walk, you just get up, you just walk, you know, like, and then that restraint. And that's why you see sometimes when people are, you know, sharing testimonies, they like to always talk about the bad things that have happened and all of that. We don't need bad things to happen before we value things. Praise God. Number four, ask yourself, how do outsiders value this job? How do outsiders value this place? How do outsiders value this blessing, this person? First Kings ten eight. Our last scripture. 
First Kings chapter 10 and verse 8. You know, Queen Sheba hmm, traveled distance to come and listen to Solomon's wisdom. Look at what Queen Sheba said in First Kings 10 8. How blessed are your men. How blessed are these your servants who stand before you continually and hear your wisdom. Can you imagine? An outsider comes and says, Oh, to stand before Solomon and hear his wisdom daily, you guys are blessed. <laughs> and you know, there will be people standing there and say, Every time, parable, 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 prover, 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 prover. My mother said this, my father said this. I let somebody hear what. And that's what people are traveling to go listen to. It's like when people call for us and they say, Oh, come, come and teach us. And they maybe send our ticket or give us all those things. And yeah, we're so blessed by your message. And in three days, wow, you blessed us and miracles happen. But you know, yeah, Pastor Master will be there on Wednesday. Yeah, he'll be there on Sunday. Yeah. And then people out there are like, wow, if I can come to church. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we have meals, people requesting, we just want to come there. We just want to spend a week. We just want to spend time. And there are people like, yeah, I've not been in church for one month. Yeah, what is it? I'll follow the streaming. That's what Screen Shepherd is saying. Ask yourself, how do people outside treat my husband? How do people outside treat my wife? How do people outside treat my father? How do people outside treat my mother? How do people outside treat our pastor? How should I treat him? How, how do people who find the word of God for the first time treat the Bible? How do they treat an opportunity to hear God's word? You know, when there was COVID, it was difficult for us to gather. Right? I was like, wow. Oh my God. Let them open the church. Let them open the church. Church is open now. Ah, let them stream. What is it? Let them stream. <laughs> Familiarity again. When something is taken away from us, we want it. It's given back to us. We get familiar with it. So what that tells us is, listen carefully to this, nobody overgrows familiarity. You have to constantly remind yourself of this message. Co- constantly. Do I honor my job the way I should? Do I honor my wife? Do I honor my children as a child? Do I honor my father, my parents the way I should? And that's what will give us the grace. Have you been blessed this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We just come before you with a heart of gratitude. And we're asking, Lord, for areas where we have uh, aid, where this is concerned, that you would help us, that you give us the grace to overcome this, In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng We would like to hear from you. Send us an email. Info at pastormax.ng Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.